Hey, hey, you were listening to JC Talks, a podcast about life, leadership, and human flourishing. My guiding philosophy is simple. What you can be, you must be. The purpose of this podcast is to help you live an all-in life, be an all-in leader, and lead all-in teams and organizations. I'm your host, JC Hurtado Prater, yours truly, and I am so grateful you've joined me for a few moments on the podcast today. And I got to tell you something. I am so excited about what's getting ready to come down the pike next week. Well, I'm excited every day on the podcast. I'm excited about today. Uh, But next week, we're going to start a book, diving into a book that I just got done reading called The Science of Success by Charles Koch. Now, I know this. I know this, that that name elicits um, love for some people. And it elicits probably a feeling of hate for other people. And it's a real shame. Uh, if you know anything about the Koch brothers, they've been involved involved politically over the last few decades. And, you know, what's a shame about that is that is that people in their feelings about them one way or the other really miss the heart of what is um, I think of what who Charles Koch is. And, and I've learned a great deal from him. Uh, that I'm basing my own life on in leadership and business and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's so much that can be learned from him. Now, I, I, I say this a lot because I've talked about him a lot because over the past few months, I've been doing a lot of reading about him, of him, his own works, his own books. But this is a guy who took over his father's company, I believe, when he was 27 years of age. And he grew the company from 27. Well, he didn't take over the company. He, he joined the company, his father's company, at 27 years of age. And he, he took over. His father passed away when he was 32. And so he became the CEO of the company at the age 32. Grew the company from an um, annual revenue of $21 million at the time. This was probably 50 years ago, over 50 years ago. Now the company has... Uh, $115 billion in annual revenue. It is the second largest company, private company in uh, the United States of America and the sixth largest private company in the world. So this is, in my opinion, this is somebody that we can learn from. So next week, we're going to dive into his book called The Science of Success. What I like about it is it's based on a lot of his own reading of great philosophers and people like Maslow and Hayek and... um, Von Mises and Popper. And, and so, uh, so we get kind of a, a, an amalgamation, if you will, of those different philosophies and kind of reading him. And so I appreciate this book because it's not just a simple self-help book based on somebody's opinions. Okay. It's based on what he has read and the success that he has had over decades in building a company from 21 million to 150 billion. But today, is the precursor because one of the most important things that we're going to talk about as we dive into this book, The Science of Success, is what um, Charles Cote, he, he talks about a great deal, is this idea of creative destruction. Uh, creative destruction, which is actually a term that was uh, brought about by Joseph Schumpeter, and I hope I'm saying that, that name correctly, um, but Charles Koch has used this and he talks a great deal in most of his interviews. It comes up at some point in the interview in his books. It comes up in the three books that he's written, maybe three or four books that he's written in books that have been written about him and articles that have been written about him. It comes up when he talks in interviews, this comes up, but here's where it starts. Here's where this idea, the philosophy, the principle 
of creative destruction comes from. It comes from what is called the law of entropy. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the law of entropy. Okay. So do you know what it is? You know, if I were to ask you, if I were to walk up to you on the street and say, hey, tell me what the law of entropy is, would you know what it is? Okay. Most of us have probably heard this term at some point in our lives and careers. Uh, and so we're going to talk about what it is in a second, but I just want you to think for a second, what does it mean when something goes through the process of entropy? Okay. Now, here's what it means in physics. Here, here's the physics definition of entropy. A thermodynamic quantity representing the unavailability of a system's thermal energy for conversion into mechanical work, often interpreted as the degree of disorder or randomness in the system. Now, I'm not a scientist, okay? I am a professor and I teach leadership. I don't teach science. I don't teach thermodynamics. I don't teach any of this stuff. Uh, so I couldn't tell you exactly what that means. But here's the most important part of this, okay? Here's what we need to take away when we talk about the law of entropy. The second law of thermodynamics says that entropy always increases with time. Now, what is entropy? That doesn't necessarily tell us what it is, but, but it does tell us that this idea of entropy, it increases over time. So let's move a little bit further in defining entropy. Uh, the most important thing that we could say is this, and here's kind of layman's terms. Entropy is a lack of order or predictability, a lack or of order or predictability. And hold on a second here. I've got to pull something up because I've got a sheet of paper in front of me that has the definition and I can't read all of it. Okay. I've got this highlighted in yellow. Okay. Here's the most important part, a lack of order or predictability, a gradual decline into disorder, a, a gradual decline into disorder. If, if, if we want to uh, if we want to bring that definition down to a phrase that is easy to remember, that's what it is. Entropy is a gradual decline into disorder. So as we talk about this today, I want you just to re remind yourself about that, that when we talk about this idea of entropy, it just, it simply means that the thing we're talking about is always moving into a state of disorder um, and chaos, chaos, chaos can't talk today. I don't know what's going on here. Okay. So now here's the ultimate definition of entropy. Okay. If, if I were to give you a definition, if we put together the definitions we just talked about, here's the ultimate definition of entropy. Here it goes. Entropy, which as we know is gradual decline is always at work in a closed or isolated system. The process of entropy is accelerated. So this is what we're going to talk about today. This idea of how it works. Okay. Um, where it works, when it works. And here's the reality. All of us are moving in the process of entropy. Just take it down to a person, right? Think about this. When we are born, uh, we are born into this world and our, our little legs and our little hands and little arms and feet and all that kind of stuff. And then we're evolving every single year into becoming uh, a grown human being. And I think about my own six-year-old daughter, how over the last six, seven years, she's going to be seven this June. I can't believe it. It seems like just we just brought her home from the hospital just the other day, and now she's going to turn seven. But she's been on this process of the upswing. She's growing, and she's learning, and her brain is developing, and her, um, her capacities and her talents are developing, right? But at some point, because this happens to all of us, she will go through 
uh, she'll hit the bell curve, right? So if you if you think about the bell curve, everything that we know and understand has a bell curve to it, okay? Uh, which means this, we grow, 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 and then we always hit the top, our, our full and highest potential, whatever that is. It could be you, it could be a team, it could be a product, it could be a service. At its current state, it hits, and that's important for us to remember as well, at its current state, it hits its full and highest potential, okay? And then it starts to hit the, the height of the bell curve and it begins to uh, take a gradual decline. And this is what we call this process of entropy. Any of you that are old, older, I shouldn't say older, sorry, uh, I lost my breath on that one. Any of you that are older, you understand this, that the older we get, our bodies just start to entropy, right? It can't do the same things that it could do when I was 15, 16, 17, 18. I remember as a kid, uh, and maybe you remember this as well, exercising or doing some of those kind of things, I could recover so quick, so fast. And now if I try to run a mile, right, it takes me two or three days to recover. Um, you know, I'm in the gym sometimes with these young kids and, and I, I, I go to a local gym here and, you know, this is going to happen. My phone is going to ring at, at times throughout this because I've got my phone connected to my computer. So don't mind that when it happens. Um, it's just, uh, uh, it's just the way it is. But going back to what we're talking about, I go to the gym and I purposely have chosen the gym that I go to because this gym in particular, it's filled with these young bucks, these young people that are working out, they're working hard. My problem is though, I get in there and I try to do the same things that they're doing. And what happens? Well, I end up hurting my back. And I did that a few weeks ago. I, you know, my, you know, I hurt my back for probably three or four days and, you know, it just, I had to take a lot of Tylenol and I had to kind of rest myself. And, and why? Because I'm in the process of entropy. And I hate to say that, but I'm in this process of decline, a process of disorder. And so are you. So are all of us. We all get to the top of the bell curve at some point, And then we start to move down at our current state. Right. So that's what we're going to talk about in an isolated or closed system. It moves even faster. So here's what an isolated system is. If I had a diagram in front of you, I would have a circle. So I want you to imagine this with me. I'd have a circle. And then at the top of the circle and the bottom of the circle, I would have um, I would have barriers, okay, where nothing could get in and nothing could leave. So nothing could get in that circle and nothing could leave the circle. This is what we called an isolated system, okay? Nothing comes in, no matter energy, whatever it is, nothing gets in, nothing goes out, okay? The process of entropy increases incredibly fast in that system. And I want you just to think about a human being. If you put a human being in an isolated system where nothing can come in and nothing goes out, so they're, uh, so they're regurgitating their own oxygen, their own H2O, um, whatever they have in there is all they have, whether food, supplies, water. And if no water's coming in and no food's coming out, this person is going to decline much, much quicker. Okay, so that's an isolated system. Uh, then we move to what is called a closed system, Okay. A closed system, if you could picture this in your mind right now, uh, I would draw a circle. And at the bottom of that circle, I would have a line um, that would be kind of the line of demarcation where nothing could get in. Okay. Or, or I guess I would say is nothing exits, right? Nothing exits a closed system. But at the top of the circle, we, we would have an arrow going in and out where, where, where things could come into the closed system, but nothing escapes the closed system. Okay. Uh, so again, if you think about this in terms of a human being, um, if you have somebody who, let's say they're living in a home and it's a closed system house, they have things constantly coming in, but nothing exits, what's going to happen? 
This is what we see as the hoarder. And again, that kind of lifestyle where you have nothing dying, right? Nothing going out. We're not getting rid of the old, but we're getting new in. That's going to lead to entropy as well. Think about the globe that we live on today. And think about what would happen if there were no deaths on planet Earth. If, if people just were born and nobody ever died. I mean, that sounds amazing because we think about the people we love. We think about, especially for those of us who are parents, man, our children, right? You know, I just heard this morning uh, in a church staff meeting, I'm, I'm still part-time at a, a church here in San Diego. And so we're in there and we're talking about this very sad story of a young kid, very young kid, three or four years of age. And he's got this awful disease and sounds like he's not going to make it much longer. And that just breaks her heart. And so when we think about it on a personal level, we think, man, um, we'd love to have a life of no death and no destruction and, and our, our, our grandparents get to live forever and our spouses get to live and we get to live forever. But if you think about it from a system perspective, from a global perspective, if the world worked like that, uh, the globe wouldn't last very long. Right. So and this is kind of what we're going to talk about as we get into the science of success and even a little bit today. As sad as it is for us, especially when you hear about, you know, kids or people that are younger than what they should be. I think that anybody who's younger than the age of 80, you know, shouldn't go. Right. I, I think if we could every human being could at least till, you know, live to the age of 80, I think that would be a great goal and that would be beautiful. Um, you know, at, at you know, I don't want to see anybody pass away ever, but if we could at least get to the age of 80, you know, you've lived kind of a full life. You've probably reproduced and you've got some kids and grandkids at that point, maybe. And, um, and, and even if you don't, you've, you've done something cool in your life because you had 80 years to get it done, right? So that would be awesome. But if, if, if people live forever, our world wouldn't be able to sustain it. And so this is also, uh, this would lead if we had a world where we had constant birth, constant new, but nothing old uh, went away, uh, our, our oceans would be filled up with fish and all kinds of animals, our jungles would be filled up, our, that you just, you know, we would, we, we would also go through the process of, of entropy because we would kill ourselves. Like we would, we would destruct the earth, right? This is why in this process of creative destruction that we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, there has to be some destruction uh, in any process, in any team, in any <clears throat> organization, and any personal life, in any family, in, in any community, there has to be uh, a destruction, um, or we can't uh, make way for the new. Now, again, in business and in maybe even in our personal lives, but in business and team and organization, what what we're going to call that is creative destruction. So it's more intentional destruction. But we'll get there in a second. But it's important for you to know that in a closed system, new can come in, old can't leave. But the problem with that is if you're not getting rid of the old, if it's sticking around, this is like a person who's kind of a hoarder and this is living in a system where nothing is dying, that will lead to entropy as well. So what we want is what it's called an open system. An open system, if I were to draw you a picture, would have a circle and you'd have an arrow coming in and an arrow going out. So you have process, you have a constant state of renewal, constant state of renewal. And so you have the, the new come in, the old uh, passes away. Uh, and, uh, and, and maybe, you know, the old doesn't really, uh, necessarily go away, but it's definitely renewed and there's new innovation, there's new creation, and maybe we build up on the old, but the old doesn't stay the way it is, right? It, if it does stay within an open system, it's constantly renewing itself, okay? So now let's go back to that definition from earlier. Entropy, which is gradual decline, is always at work in a closed 
For isolated system, the process of entropy is accelerated. So, so we have to understand, and I'm taking some liberties here because if you talk to some people, they would say the universe is an open system, right? And uh, you know, you've got two different arguments that the globe that we live on, the earth that we live on is an open and a closed system. But the reality is this, we all understand this, that death is coming for all of us and destruction. I mean, dig up an old body that's been underground for a year to two years to three years. That is massive destruction. there, And that's coming for all of us. So we have to understand that. But this in the larger scheme of life, this is what we call the circle of life. And it is important to have death uh, in order to make way for the new and the same in leadership, the same in business, the same in, uh, you know, the same in organizations, the same in teams, there has to be destructiveness, there has to be an open system, which means some things are dying. And it doesn't just mean people, but it's ideas, and it's products and its services. And this is the problem, a lot of people don't want to kill those, because they don't, you know, they don't like it. But it's important that in, in an open system, you have new life, renewal, and death. So, so when we talk about this idea, here's the best example that I can give you when we talk about this idea of a closed system, an isolated system, and an open system. Think about a fire. And I live in California, so we have forest fires, unfortunately, more often uh, than, than we care to. If you look, if you think about a, a, uh, an isolated system, this is like if, if you take fire and you put a candle or, or you know, uh, a fire and a candle, and if you put the uh, normally, when you buy a candle, uh, you, you go down to a local store and you, you buy a candle, it comes with a lid. And what happens as soon as you put that lid on top of the candle? The entire candle goes out, right? That's an isolated system. There's no oxygen getting to the fire. The fire can't maintain itself. It goes out. A closed system would be like a candle, but, but a candle without the lid on it, right? So it's still in a system where nothing's going to be leaving it. And as soon as the candle dies, as soon as it gets down to the end, right, there's no new wax coming in. Uh, it doesn't matter if oxygen is there, but that candle needs more wax in order for it to, you know, it needs a, another wick. It needs a longer wick. It needs to be able to reproduce that wick. It can't do that. And so even when you take the top off and the fire is burning at some point, and it may take a few weeks, that candle is going to destruct itself because there's nothing new coming into it. An open system would would be looking at a forest fire, right? So if you start a fire in the wild and it just starts to rage, rage, that is what we'd call an open system. The fire has oxygen, it has all the tools it needs to spread, and it just it's all over the place. Okay. So 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 we understand that, right? You understand that what that means to have an open, uh, closed, and an isolated system. Okay. Now here's a question for you to think about as we talk about this today is what does an isolated, closed, or open system look like for an individual, for a team, for an organization, for a community? You have to think about that in your own terms, especially those of you who are leading. Uh, is your team, let's talk about you first. Are you an isolated person? Are you a closed person? Or are you an open person? right? So isolated means you're just cut off from everybody. You cut off from the world. You don't have a lot of relationships, a lot of friendships. You don't have new knowledge coming in. You're not reading books. You're not gaining the skills you need to get better. You close yourself off from the world and the things of the world around you. That's an isolated system. Uh, or are you a closed system where maybe you've got things coming in, new things coming in, and you're, you know, you're constantly exposed to the new, you got, but you're not getting rid of the old, right? That would, be, that would make you a closed system. And so you're looking around, you've got habits about you, you've got mindsets, you've got, 
maybe even things in your home. You're looking around your your you know your area right now. You could be driving in the car, or maybe you're uh, you're in your office and you look around and you say, "Oh my goodness, I've got all this junk in here," you know, and I've got all this junk in my environment. <laughs> I don't want to get rid of it. That would make you a closed system, okay? And in those two, those two systems, the law of entropy is increasing faster and faster and faster. Or are you an open system where there's consistent new information, new experiences, new ideas, new thoughts, new people coming into uh, your life, and you're getting rid of the old. You're constantly fleshing out and saying, what needs to happen um, as you create something new or you, 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 you have a new idea? You say, well, this is awesome. This is great. You celebrate the wins. And immediately after that, you get back to work and saying, okay, now how do I evolve this current thing I'm doing, whatever it is, or this current habit I have? How do I evolve it to go to the next level and become uh, the highest form of myself? That's an open system, Okay. Uh, so here's a question for you to ask. And we kind of talked about this already within an open system. What is the relevance and importance of decline, destruction, and death? And this is important for you to hear. Okay. Most of us want to be as a person, an open system. I didn't go back and talk about what it means to be a team, right? So let's go back to that real quick. And then we'll come back to this question. Do you lead a team that is isolated, closed, or open? So again, an isolated team, you're not taking any new information from the outside. You're not listening to other people. You're not taking outside opinions or advice. You're just an isolated team or organization. A closed organization has new coming in. A closed team has new coming in, but they're not getting rid of the old. So this is like a team who hires new people, but it's like they can't get rid of maybe some of the older people that need to go. Because you know what? Firing people and letting people go, that's awful. And it's, it's, it's no fun. And nobody wants to do that. But maybe you've got a team member on your team right now that's not evolving, that's not getting better, that they're, 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 their skills aren't improving. And, and you know for a fact that they're holding the team back. But you know what? So-and-so has been around a long time and I don't want to get rid of so-and-so. And, you know, they this and this and, this, and we come up with this. And, and so we, 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 you know, we have them stick around. And then we bring in new people who have new ideas, but then we keep all the old people that, that aren't able to do the things that need to get done and aren't able to innovate and, you know, move forward and do all this stuff. And so what happens in that kind of a situation? What, you know, what happens? Then you're going to have the new kind of versus the old and who's going to probably leave first, probably the new people. They're going to say, I don't want to be part of this, man. We've got these older people here. Now I'm not, so when I say older, I don't mean age. Okay. So this is not about ageism. I mean, mindset. So we've got people on the team that are consistently doing the same thing over and over and again. They don't want to change. They don't want to evolve. They don't want to renew. And so you think that by bringing new people onto this team, it's going to help it make it better. But you've still got the old mindsets there. You've still got the old ways of thinking, right? So that has to change first. And it means either we have to get rid of the mindset, we have to get rid of the, uh, the way of thinking, those philosophies, those older philosophies, and people can do that. People are capable of doing that. Often, however, as you know, people don't want to do that because change is hard. And so you've got this, you know, you've got a team that's a closed system because we're not getting rid of the old, right? And this is really important. In our life, we have to look around and say, what are the things that I need to get rid of? And what are the things in my life, you know, in my environment, in my context, in my habits, in my life, what are the things I need to get rid of? So we need to ask that question. And then we also need to ask, uh, you know, the question, what are some things that could be renewed here, right? And think about a home. Imagine if you have a home for 40 years. You know, if you have the same carpet, same paint on the walls, same floor, same tile floor, same furniture in a home, 
Can you imagine living like that? Like 40 years later, it's still the same stuff. That's disgusting to me. I've been to homes like that. I grew up in Indiana and my parents sometimes would go visit some of the older people in our church and you'd walk in and it looked like the home hadn't changed in like 40, 50 years. And it was just gross. The smells, 40 years of smells. And, and, um, but an open system, right? How does that change? It doesn't mean you have to get rid of the home, but it means you're consistently updating the house. That's the greatest example. I should have used that in class the other night when I was talking about this. It's consistently updating the home right? So maybe the, the foundation of the home stays and maybe the structure of the home stays, but you're putting new paint on the walls. You know, back in the day, it was wallpaper, right? That's how you kind of got rid of the old wall. You put new wallpaper on it. But uh, so you freshen it up, you get new furniture in there, you get new carpet, uh, maybe take out the carpet and put in hardwood floors. And so you're constantly innovating and changing, but it's still the same home, right? So that is possible. So I'm not in this firm belief that we have to get rid of everything, but some things in that home needed to change, right? Or, or let's say you like the couch and you want to keep it. Well, you get it reupholstered. You bring somebody in and say, how do I make this like new, right? And so, so, so this is what I'm talking about. Things that can be around for, you know, uh, there are things and products and services that can be around for a long time, but there has to be something in these that are bringing about consistent renewal, Right. And we could go so far on that. We don't have time to do that. But that's just important for you to understand. In an open system, death, decline, and destruction, or maybe the best way to put it, decline, destruction, and death, these things are very important in order to have an open system. With an open system, decline, destruction, and death are inevitable. Innovation and intentional, excuse me, innovation is the intentional and purposeful acceleration of what I call good entropy or what we're talking about, this idea of creative destruction, okay? Creative destruction. And so what all of this basically means is simply this. Here's the deal. Whether we like it, you know, or not, right? Whether we like it or not, everything is always dying. You know, the moment you buy a car, the moment you drive it off the lot, you know, it, it's, it's value decreases. And, and the better the car, the more that value decreases. So this is the way it is for all of us, for everything. You buy a home, and as soon as you get in that home, you start putting wear and tear on it, right? And it's on the way out. So again, that's why we need renovations. That's why we, we, we need renewal, right? And so we talked about this in class the, uh, the other day, this idea of creative destruction and, in, um, and entropy, because we're talking in this class about mental models. So I'll, I just want to read one more thing for you. Um, and I don't know if I can, this is really small. When something is, let's go to the PowerPoint here. Okay. I'm going to pull up this PowerPoint here. Cause I can't, I, you know, this, this handwriting is too small. And again, I'm in a process of entropy, so I can't read things like I used to be able to. Okay. Let's see if I can bring this up. Okay. When something or anything is in a state of accelerated decline, you are witnessing a closed or isolated system. So here's why this is important for us to read. Okay, and for you to understand today, for those of you who are leaders, when you're going into an organization and you see that it is in a state of decline, right? What you have to understand is what you're witnessing is a closed or isolated system. Okay, this is not an open system, even if the people in that organization think it is and they want to believe that it is an open system, it is not an open system. It is, uh, it is a closed system. So here's the question you must ask, okay? When you walk into this and you see this, you must ask yourself the question, what new information, new people, new experiences could be added to make this something, anything, whatever it is, a business, a product, a service, an organization, a team, or a person, yourself, right? 
what could make this um, an open system? Okay. So that's why we're talking about all of this today. The law of entropy, which means that uh, things are always in a state of decline. However, we can reverse that process of decline, not necessarily in people. Um, and again, I don't think we want people to be living forever. We talked about that at, at the beginning, but for an organization, an, an organization really can have a life stamp that really goes on forever. And there are organizations out there, and I could pull them up for you right now. There are organizations out there that have been around for many, many years. And if I had a co-host, that's what we'd be doing right now. Let me put an X on this thing. Okay. Let me actually look here real quick. Um, longest, I'm just, I'm just going to Google this longest, um, uh, let, let me just do this companies that have been around. I mean, this is not the greatest way to type this in, but let's just type it in the longest. Here we go. Well, okay. All right. So we got the oldest companies. That's probably the best way I should have said it. The oldest companies still operating today. Okay. So let's go to this. The Is, it, is this from the worldatlas.com? Okay. So we could probably trust that. Here are the oldest companies. So, so this one's called Congo Gumi, established in 578 AD. It's the oldest continually operating company in the world. Its headquarters are located in, in Osaka, Japan. It's a construction company founded by an immigrant. That, that's a company that we want to study, right? They've been going since 578 AD. It was a family-run company for 1,400 years until 2006 when the company struggled financially and became a subsidiary of another company, Takamatsu. And before the merger, it employed 100 individuals, over 100 individuals had an annual budget of 70 million. It continues to specialize in Buddhist temples today. So I think that's what they do. Uh, they build Buddhist temples. And it was a family-run company for 1,400 years before it was bought out. And my, my guess is that the, the company that bought it out uh, is bringing what we're talking about, creative destruction in it. They're getting rid of some of the old, old patterns, old habits, old ways of thinking, and they're bringing in the new. Uh, so a lot of these are actually in Japan. So the second one here, the oldest company is in Japan as well. It's a hot spring hotel. The third company is the third oldest company in the world. It's a traditional Japanese hotel. Wow. Um, Hoshi Ryokan uh, is also another hotel. All right. So a lot of these are actually hotels. Is this the oldest company still operating today? Is this in the world? Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to see if I can find one here that's United States, and I'm not seeing any. Well, I guess it's because the United States is a fairly young country, right? That may be part of the reason. In Germany, Staffler Hoff, UK, the Bingley Arms. See, so these are companies that you might want to research if you just look at that. Oldest companies in existence today. Now, now let me look up here in business. Okay, so let's look this up. This has what's called the oldest plant companies in the United States. So we have a list here, and it's actually, I found it on Wikipedia. And the first one, uh, the one that's been around the longest, the Shirley Plantation. Uh, it's a farm. Uh, it's in Virginia. Then you've got the, and I don't know how to say this, Avitas. Yeah, I believe that they make drum shields. It's a music company. You have another one. It's a farm, Tuttle's Red Farm, Field View Farm, Barker's Farm, Seaside Inn. You have a hotel. And so what you really see at the top of these, you have farms. Hotels, you've got a real estate you know, company here, uh, A.W. Van Winkle and Company. 
uh, lots of farms. Wow. A lot of hotels here, too. Get a law firm called Rawl Henderson. Rawl, Rawl and Henderson LLP. I think that's the oldest law firm that's been around. You've got some insurance down here as we get a little bit into the 1700s. and But really the oldest ones of all time. So that would be interesting to study that kind of farms and, and hotels and restaurants. That's kind of what you see even in Japan as well, these, these older companies. But what I'd want to know is what has helped them uh, to be in this constant state of renewal, to be in this constant state of, of creative destruction. Okay, so here's what you have to understand for leaders. When you're going into a company and it's on the decline, you've got to understand this. You are looking at an open and closed system. So your job is not to come in guns blazing and change up everything right away. That's the dumbest thing you can do. But you have to strategically think about, okay, what are some things what are some new experiences, new people, whatever that I can bring into the system that would help to make it more of an open system? That's what you have to do. So when something is on the decline, it is isolated and closed uh, more so than most. And uh, what you have to do is reverse that and create it and make it into an open system. That's what I've got for you today. We could probably talk more about this, but I want you to think about this in the next week. What in your life is on the decline? And this could be a relationship. This could be a business. It could be finances. It could be whatever it is. It means you, you in that area of your life, you have an isolated and closed system. You've got to be thinking, how do I open this up, create an open system where you have information and experiences, new information, new experiences, all that coming in, and you're getting rid of the old, as painful as it might be as painful as it might be, okay? So I want you to think about that. We may come back to this again because this is so good. And again, we, we will get into what is called the law of uh, creative destruction at next week as we start diving into this book called The Science of Success by um, Charles Coe. So thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you on the next episode Friday on the next episode of JC Talks Leadership Podcast. Have a great day and take care. 